1: In this
2: fellowship, there's no pastor or elder that could be called great. Now, my wife might call me that, but none of us are great. You see, the great pastor and shepherd of this flock, he's in high places. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not the shepherd of this body. I'm the under-shepherd. And the other pastors serve along with me. Jesus is the only one the Bible could be called the great high priest.
0: You know, you've heard about pastors who abused their position for money or fame or sex. While this is a tragedy for the pastor and his family, the worst part is the black eye given to the church and to Jesus. When these kinds of things happen, it gives the people that hate God and Jesus a chance to mock them more. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that when people try to put themselves in the place that only Jesus can fill, nothing but disaster will happen for themselves and for their followers. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John chapter 1 as he begins his message, Jesus, our perfect high priest.
2: This afternoon, Pastor Carl called me from Calvary Chapel, Sarasota. As you know, he's my accountability partner. He says, I just got to tell you what's happening. He was telling me last week, he's teaching a series on spiritual warfare. And he says, man, the whole church is going through spiritual warfare. And he said, I got up Sunday in the service. And as I was teaching, the sound system went out. The PowerPoint went out. It's never happened before. The second service, the internet went out. That goes out that have their message. And he called me and just asked me to pray for him. I said... Man, I, I, I don't want your virus over here. Why'd you even call me? I'm not teaching on spiritual warfare. So I come in the service. Somebody comes to me and says to me, the whole PowerPoint system's down. Chris is up there trying to get it working. I'm going, I'm calling him tomorrow morning and to say, don't you ever call me again when you're in trouble, man. Tell, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, it was good because as his people, you know, as they see that spiritual warfare is real, isn't it? Amen. We're going to be starting in Hebrews chapter four. But as you're going there, I also want you to flip quickly to John chapter one. And we are relating the whole book of Hebrews, as you know, is about this term, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And as we go through it, you remember we've talked about many of the different areas where Jesus is better. Have you ever heard the term, I have a friend in a high place? Somebody use that like a threat to you. Well, I got friends in a high place. You watch. You watch. Well, I want you to see as we go through the priest that we have a a friend in a high place. In John chapter 1, let's take a look. In the beginning was the word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You see, Christ was always with God. Christ has no beginning. Before the creation of the world, He existed from eternity, just like God, because He is God. He was divine. We know that from the Trinity, had exactly the same nature. Well, how did He get to earth? Why did he come to earth? Why is this whole book of Hebrews about Jesus is better? And we've been talking about Jesus better than Moses. Well, if you scoot right over to verse 14, that same chapter, you'll understand. The word, Jesus, became flesh. He put on humanity. Can you imagine somebody that's always existed had to leave heaven? He was never created. He was always existent with God. He was God. But it says in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. John writes, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Remember that as you flip over now to the book of Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. This is where we pick up. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We talked about this profession. What in the world are they holding on to? What did they profess? Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and the high priest whom we confess. So, as you understand, this whole topic for this little home group was about a high priest. The priest that the Jewish people were used to, that would offer their sacrifices. So, keep your finger there, and flip back to the book quickly of Exodus, second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 28. Let me just remind you a little bit of the Jewish history. Obviously, when we went through the book of Exodus, we did this in depth. We're going to be in Exodus 28, and then are going to scoot right quickly over to Exodus 29. Exodus 28, verse 41. After you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons and ordain them, consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. So, this little home group, probably in Italy, maybe even in Rome, before their conversion to Christianity, like all Jews, the high priest had been their highest religious authority. The priesthood began with, as you remember, Aaron. Just read this, Moses Brothers. Now turn to Exodus 29. Let's just get a little picture of what was happening in those days. Scoot on down to verse 38. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day. Two lambs a year old. Offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. Again, this is for the priests of the tabernacle. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of ephah of fine flour mixed with a quarter of hen of oil from pressed olives and a quarter of hen of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing aroma, An offering made to the Lord by fire. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance of the tent of the meeting before the Lord. There, I will meet you and speak to you. There, also I will meet with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his son to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Remember, man couldn't ever approach God by himself. It's impossible. And actually today we don't approach God the Father by ourselves. We also go through a mediator which is Jesus Christ, his son. God, but not God the Father. Now, Remember, we don't have time, but on the Holies of Holies, once a year, this was a special time. And you can do some more study if you want for homework. Leviticus 16, kind of study it as you go through this chapter again. But what was the role of the priest? Two major keys for us, just to remind ourselves. A priest represented God to the people. And a priest represented the people before God. So the priest was this bridge between God and people. And here is the problem that the writer to Hebrew is addressing. This little home group are saying, we've moved to Christianity. Who represents us to God now? Where's the priests? What do we do? What's the issue here? And so the writer is going to try to show them, well, here's how you have access to God. Here's how it works. Here's the person that's going to represent you to God. So the writer says, you can still have this incredibly intimate relationship, but more than you ever imagined. Remember, their high priest, as we're going to see, is really in high places. He's in heaven. And so he's trying to encourage him, basically, to say, early on in these early chapters, we heard this. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than an angel, any angel. Jesus is better than... Moses, and now he's going to be better than any high priest, even Aaron, who was the first one. So back to Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 14 again in 15. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let me give you some of the differences. Number one, Jesus is the only great high priest. In this fellowship, we have elders Slash apostles, slash pastors. All the same word. We're here. We're ministers. We're pastors. In this fellowship, there's no pastor or elder that could be called great. Now, my wife might call me that. But none of us are great. You see, the great... Pastor and shepherd of this flock, he's in high places. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not the shepherd of this body. I'm the under-shepherd. And the other pastors serve along with me. Jesus is the only one the Bible could be called the great high priest. Second, Jesus is in heaven. You'll see later that's significant. Because Jesus operates from a viewpoint unlike any other priest ever on earth. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The high priest would offer a yearly sacrifice, this day of atonement, in the temple. And it was kind of a picture, the temple of heaven. But when Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, the model is closed. It's the real picture. That's where the high priest is, Jesus. Three, notice, look at verse 14 Jesus, the Son, of God, the only Son of God, it says in John 3.16. He was always with the Father, but the relationship was Father and Son. So Jesus is the Son of God. No priest could ever say he was the Son of God. Impossible to do that. That's the deity again of Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One that separates really Jesus from any other as far as the east is from the west is the fourth one. Jesus is sinless. Notice Leviticus. And it kind of reminds us. And I'll have more to say about this later. Probably even remind you of it again. But I think it's very important. This is the high priest in Leviticus 16. Notice. From the Israelite community. The high priest. He is to take two male goats for a sin offering. And a ram for a burn offering. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering. To make atonement for himself in his household. See, before Aaron, the high priest, could go in and offer the sacrifices for the people, what did he have to do? He had to get rid of the sin in his own life. He had to go in and make a sacrifice. And later you're going to see that's what should keep all of us humble. Because everybody in this room is equal. But one is not. Jesus was sinless. He never had to offer any kind of sacrifice because, obviously, he was sinless. Every human priest could do nothing except ask God to take his sin away. Jesus died, finished all of that. Number five, Jesus can relate to our temptations. If you go through the Gospels, you get to see that Jesus experienced temptation in every area of life, just like you and I do. Consequently, he can sympathize. That word in the original means feel, kind of suffer along with us when we experience temptation, and especially when we give in to temptation and head down a wrong path. Jesus can sympathize with us. Remember, Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. And Jesus would say to Peter many times, Peter, the enemies." out to destroy you. But I'm praying for you. He knew. He knew. Because he had been tempted by the same Satan. He knew what was taking place. He can sympathize with us. Psalm 113 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. When I officiate at the funeral tomorrow. One of the things a pastor frequently does at the end of a service is dust to dust and ashes to ashes. What does that scripture mean that God knows we're dust? Well, he knows that we still have within us, we have a godly nature, but what other kind of nature do we have in us? We have a sinful nature. Anybody aware of that? A couple of you? Okay. Hopefully all of you are. So, what does it mean then to be saved? How can I have a sinful nature? Well, salvation is really a, a three-pronged process. In 2 Corinthians, Paul makes this incredible statement. And it's 2 Corinthians 13. Finally, brothers, a goodbye. And then he goes, aim for perfection. It sounds like Mr. Monk, doesn't he? The perfectionist. Aim for perfection. What does that mean? Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm to aim at perfection. Anyone here hit it yet? Anyone even come close to it yet? No. Put your hand up and you haven't come close to it. Not a chance. So, the first event of salvation is justified. Just as if I never sinned. We've been saved. If you want to write it behind that, the penalty of sin is paid. When I get saved, the penalty is what? Death. No, I've passed from death into life. And so, that's a done deal. It's finished. What step do I move into? And this is why you hear me all the time say to you, salvation is not an event. It's a lifestyle. First step is always justification, where the penalty of sin has been taken care of. The second step is this sanctification, set apart for God. The term maybe you and I are probably a little more familiar with would be the term discipleship. This means we are in the process of being saved from the power of sin. That's what Romans chapter 6 and 7 and 8 is all about. Paul says, finally, with God's help, I can say no to sin. Before God lived in me, I couldn't say no to sin. I always gave in. But with God in me, I can say no to sin. So I'm in the process, you're in the process if you're working with the Holy Spirit, and becoming a disciple, becoming more like him, getting to the point where we're reaching toward perfection. But, now some of you may have come from a church, and I know that's kind of changing even the churches that used to teach this, that you can arrive to a point in your life, they would teach that you could arrive a point in your life where you're sanctified, you're set apart, and you never sin again. Well, I never could find anybody who believed that who actually arrived there. You know why? Because you can't. You don't. So many of those churches even have kind of moved away from that. It's still this process. I'm now being saved from the power of sin. Remember what John says. If we say we have no sin, we call God a liar. So we have to be very careful. Well, what's the final stage? By the way, Jill tonight has arrived in the final stage. She's in heaven, and all the rest of our loved ones are in heaven. The final stage is glorification. When I get there, it's not about the penalty of sin. It's not about the power of sin. It's that I'm saved from the presence of sin. In other words, in heaven, there is no more temptation. There is no more sin. My sin nature is all gone. I've been glorified. I'm like Christ. Anybody say amen looking forward to that day? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not there yet in this process. So that's why we still need a high priest. Because there isn't anybody in this room that is perfect. I sin. You sin. If I can't approach God directly, what do I do? Well, he provided an intermediary. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. By the way this is what the verse looks like that tells us when perfection will arise. First John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children. That's who you and I are. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And that amen is the Balmer translation. Amen. 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 So, I need... You need a high priest who can intercede for me because I can't go to God directly. Well, who in the world is that high priest? His name is Jesus. And that brings up number six. Unlike a human priest, Jesus is approachable 24-7. Look at verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace With confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Notice the very first thing. I love this. Notice this doesn't read, let us approach the throne of condemnation or the throne of judgment. No, it's a throne of what? Say it with me. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. Remember, Jesus came to the earth, and he brought truth, and he brought grace. He came and fulfilled the law, which always made me feel terrible, because I could never keep the law. Now, quite often when I travel, especially internationally, you'll go into a hotel or whatever, and if you're in a fairly decent hotel somewhere in the world, not like India or whatever, but where I quite often am, but if you go in the Decent Hotel somewhere, in there, if you open the page, it'll tell you a little bit about, about the hotel and what's happening there. They'll always have this, doctor on call 24-7. That's a good warm feeling because you know in this, wherever you're at, number one, there's going to be a doctor on call. He's there. He's either on the premises or he's nearby. Number two, he can speak English because that's why they have it. Very difficult to explain to somebody what's wrong with you if they don't understand English. And so this is a wonderful thing. Notice it says here, in our time of need. Does anybody here know over the next three days when you will need God for one specific thing? No, we don't know because what? We don't know the future. We have no idea. I mean, we always need God, but there's these special times.
0: As Pastor Mark reminded you in his teaching today, it's good to have friends in high places. And since Jesus is in the highest place possible, at the right hand of God, Christ followers have the best friend anyone could have. You also learn that as great as the high priests might have been, Jesus, because of who he is, is infinitely better than they were. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. You'll get to learn more about the priests in the line of Aaron next time as Pastor Mark continues his teaching, Jesus, our perfect high priest. You'll hear the reasons the sacrifices under the law couldn't provide permanent salvation. Pastor Mark will break down the different aspects of the process of salvation, which every Christ follower has to go through if they're going to reach the potential that God has for them. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the book of Hebrews. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: in a